Dang. We're good to go. I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? No, no, thanks. I can't drink coffee later than that. keeps me up. <laughs> You'd be familiar with that sound, Pete. That's um, Stephen Leighton. That's Steve Leighton introducing Matt Perger at the 2013. And it's one of those things that Steve is someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for a while. And yeah. it's just, for whatever reason, I don't think he's ever actually read one of my messages. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll get there one day. He's a busy guy. I'll, I'll get there one day. Um, well, welcome. We've got Pete Licata and Gabriel Tan here Thank of you. New Wave Coffee and Nomad Coffee Group, respectively. Yep. Yep. How are we both? Very good. Pretty well. Pretty mm. well. What, uh, what, what, what do you do at Nomad, Pete? Tell me. Tell, tell oh, us. Tell yeah. us. Yeah, well, so I'm the head of and coffee. Lean in a touch. Yeah. I'm just going to hug this microphone so yep. you can hear me all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm the head of coffee at Nomad Coffee Group, um, which sort of encompasses our coffee program, uh, the coffee quality and integrity Essentially, the way that I tell people is uh, if it has to do with the integrity of the product, then it's something that's that I'm looking at. And Nomad Coffee Group encompasses what now? What is in the portfolio? So Veneziano Coffee Roasters, which is the the sort of the specialty brand that everybody knows. Um, we have uh, a private label called Black Bag Roasters. Um, I think there's a brand called Hop Coffee Hit and um, Flight Coffee in New Zealand as well. Flight Coffee's there... In Wellington, yes, yeah, yep. okay. Little that's the New Zealand hotbed of coffee, and then we've got Gabriel of New Ave Coffee. Explain yourself, Gabriel. Hi, guys, I'm, I'm Gab, and um, I work for Veneziano as a head barista. Mm-hmm. I also own a coffee brand called New Wave Coffee. Three years ago, I think I started that. We've used plenty of it at the Sub Zero at Sub Zero Coffee events, and, yeah. pl- and many, many people would have w- used it and tried it worldwide. Yep, mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. You just Ra- raining. So, I'll introduce you in the competitions for you now. Oh yeah. sure. So, all right. So, Gab first. How old are you now? I'm 24. 24, and in, you've in you've already placed second in the Australian Barista competition and third this year. This year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two amazing results at yeah. s- for someone this age, and like again, one of the more we like to think, perhaps perhaps I'm being vain, but a, a very stacked competition, one of the harder competitions to win, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah? No? Yeah? No? Yep. And then, of course, former World Brewster champion Pete Licata here with us as well. So, a bit of a star-started lineup, And you've just come back from Greece, both of you. Yes. That's right, yep. How was Greece? It was amazing. Mm. Um, it's it great to see everyone again. And um, all the competitors I met last year in Melbourne, um, producers, um, it was lovely. Food was good. Mm. Yeah, it was hot. Hot? Yeah, it was hot. Like Australia hot? No, <laughs> not that hot. Hotter? Yeah, oh, no, oh, no. It no. was it was hot by winter in Australia standards. Okay. Um, no, it was it was beautiful. I'd never been to Athens before, mm-hmm. um, so it was a good time. Good to actually get out there. Uh, it was it's definitely high tourist season, so it was a bit crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the city was beautiful. The people were lovely, uh, and the show was really great. Excellent. Well, I mean, let's get started on a bit of backgrounding of you both, starting with Pete. Yeah. You can tell by the accent you're American. Ah, uh, still. Born and bred in Kansas, is that? I was born and raised in Kansas until I was about 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived out there for four years, mm-hmm. uh, living in Honolulu and then living on the Big Island um, with some coffee farms, in particular Rusty's Hawaiian, uh, which is a f- coffee farm and farmers uh, who helped me with my coffee production for the 2011 World 
Champions League Championship, actually. So you used Hawaiian coffee in that? Yes. How was that? It was incredible. It Did was it was delicious. I mean, people would never think Hawaiian coffee is going to be at that level, but I, I mean, I played second that year. Mm. Um, it was it was just absolutely fantastic coffee. Speaking of Hawaii, did you did you just notice the big lawsuit by the Kona coffee producers against? I think it was Amazon or someone. There was oh, something yeah. to do with counterfeit Kona coffee. They were calling it Kona coffee, but it wasn't. Yeah, that's that's been an ongoing battle um, for the Kona coffee and Hawaiian coffee um, producers for a while. Um, realistically, what it is, they've made led some 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 uh, I don't know if you love it, legislation or something like that, basically saying that you need to minimum state, you need to minimum have ten percent Kona or Hawaiian coffee in your blend to call it a Kona coffee blend, and there's some specific wording behind it and everything else. Um, and so there was a lot of speculation or potentially um, people doing essentially spy, you know put in 1% or if any at all, um, and calling it Kona Coffee. So they've, they've had a pretty tight um, regulation on the name and the usage of Kona in particular in, in Hawaiian coffee. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I've got a dose of it back there, actually. I need to I need to make and brew someone gave me, so yeah. that'll be my first time. And Gab, Malaysia. You're yes. from Malaysia. I'm from Malaysia. What age did you move here? 19? 19. Um, yeah. This high school, when I was 18, um, started working coffee for six months. And um, my parents encouraged me to move here and stay with my cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, have, I was having a work visa um, back then. And it was great, you know. Um, there's not much going on in coffee in Malaysia. It's still new. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was here in, in Melbourne, everything just like, oh, it, it's heaven here. Yeah. They got everything. Like... Weekly cupping, everything like that, and that, that's what we don't have in Malaysia. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure. When was the last time you were there? Three years ago. I'm sure it's popping off. I'm sure it's popping off. Yeah, but, it's um, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I find that's like, y- how many languages did you speak? Because you've told me once before, it's like three or something, isn't it? Five. But okay, right. So uh, this w- this is why I like asking people what they do privately <laughs> outside of coffee because y- you hear some amazing shit like. You know, five languages. Yeah. How, you, you know, you're 24 years old. How'd you, how'd you cram it all in? Um, and what are the five languages? Um, Malay, Mandarin, English, Cantonese, and I'll say Taiwanese. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, well, impressive. You can give me a language lesson later. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, Pete, have you got, are you bilingual at all? No, I speak Japanese, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, well. I went to, I went to um, university to study Japanese in particular. Um, and I, I go to Japan all the time. I enjoy it. I would consider myself to be proficient. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm definitely not fluent mm-hmm. in Japanese, but well, um, or Genki Desu <laughs> Genki Desu. Um, yeah, I love Japan. I've been there. I would love to go. Um, what would you say are some of the bigger differences, starting with you, Pete, mm. of the American coffee scene versus Australia? Because when I think American coffee, I think diner coffee. Um, <laughs> you know where Walter White goes to poison Lydia in the series of Breaking Bad. So. Uh. Well, luckily, I have uh, done a number of uh, presentations and graphics on this particular thing, but um, the way that I consider it, and, and you have to look in some generalities in, in this regard, but um, the you look at the, the, the general population's expectation of coffee, right? So in, in the States, uh, the general expectation of coffee is that it's going to be bitter, um, it's going to be probably going to put a lot of cream and sugar into it or something to make it taste better, historically mm. speaking. Um, as a as a base expectation, 
Um, most people still consider it to be it's going to be filter. It's going to come from a little Mr. Coffee or a home brewer of some sort. Um, and it's it's I'll it, it come from that commodity background of functional. I want something to wake me up, but it's probably going to be really gross in the process. Um, and Australian Australian coffee has it's more of the Italian background, right? The European background of espresso. Uh, most people are still going to drink it with milk, but they may not even be drinking nearly as much sugar with it. Uh, the concentration of coffee to milk in Australia is actually a lot higher as well on average. Um, but the uh, the general expectation is that it's going to be palatable. It's not going to be overly bitter. Uh, it's not going to be, um, you know, something that you have to sort of get through to get the, to the caffeine. Um, and that's the, that's sort of the base expectation. On the high level, when we look at specialty coffee, we look at, um, you know, things like Sub-Zero. I'm and we look at, you know, um, the, the top levels. And you will find, in my opinion, you will find every bit as good of coffee at in a, in the states at the top level as mm. you will in Australia mm. um, and, and in a number of other countries as well what are some of the better ones in, uh, in America like give me a give me a top five of, of American roasters oh roasters um, okay well I mean onyx coffee is a, is a very popular one they're doing great they're they're fantastic um, I think that uh, sweet bloom is one of my personal favorites um, I think that I mean and, and also by the way, no insult to anybody else who I don't name here. There's there's a tons of really great top level, um, high level coffee companies out there. Um, I love Captain Cloud, the Chris Barker and, Barker and Jared Truby. Truby. They're uh, they're the they're the best guys, and they, they do some really great coffee. I bet Truby, he's he's a legend. Yep, they're they're both really excellent. Mm. Um, you know, and then oh boy, they got um, there's a little there's a little place in Kansas City called Oddly Correct um, that mm. is not. Really is, is is nationally or internationally known, but does a really great job. Um, there's well, who else can I look to? Um, you've got places like Counterculture, or you've got um, Black and White. Black and White, absolutely. I was I looking at great. I was looking at their yep. website before the um, before you guys came around. I was like, geez, this is like a this is a, a very big selection I there's can choose from. Yeah, then they, they have they have they've done a lot of really good stuff. Um, Lem and Kyle have, have really taken that brand and grown it significantly since they started it. Um, and yeah, so they're doing great. Um, and uh, who else can I point to? I mean, there's, oh God. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm thinking like geographically, like uh, you know, point at a state on the map. Um, I, uh, who else can I say? Um, Art Coffee? Heart. Heart does, yeah. Heart's done really Didn't you well. used to have some involvement with it? With Heart? No. Oh. No. Um, well, I mean, Proud Mary's over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call that Australian. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, um, uh, oh God, what was just something was just going through my mind. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's so many more, but you know, I haven't been there, oh, wait, so why I don't we say archetype because they just uh, have been uh, the U.S. champion, U.S. first champion with Isaiah Sheaves. Yeah. Yep. And we will talk about him in a moment. We were just talking about him off before this started, but we will talk about him in a moment. Yeah, yeah, Malaysian coffee scene, you know, probably. In different different random spots that you're getting places, I don't know too many M- Malaysian roasters myself, um, but they're, pr- they're starting to produce some really good coffee. Yeah, mm. Liberica, that we know. Um, yeah, well, Hugh Hugh Kelly's Liberica. It's yeah. like, it's it's uh, look. I don't always like it. Mm. It's um, if you can get if you can nail it. Yeah. I think the I think the f- the harvest that he used in comp was the best. Mm. The subsequent one, subsequent one is um. 
I don't know. You can get a bit of smoked meat from that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's good, and yep. and I, th- I think some of those guys have told me themselves that. So I don't mean it as an insult, but it's very very intense. Yeah. So very uh, funky. Yeah. Yeah. But an interesting varietal with a lot of potential. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so um, grew up in Malaysia. I think um, we've been involved with a lot of dark roast coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we strain it with hot hot water with cheesecloth or something like that and mm-hmm. add it at condensed milk that's how we drink coffee when we grew up and we you know after that we would just go to cafes when we grew up like um, how do you say this um, like we want to get grab a latte mm-hmm. espresso things like that we're going to pay like 10 times more than those dark roast coffee that we drink when we grew up with wow um, so we call it like coffee. Mm. And it's like dark roast with hot water and condensed milk. Yeah. Um, and the cafe scene there is getting better. Um, people are willing to pay for more, pay more for coffee. Um, I think the baristas they are doing a very good job to educate people mm-hmm. why, you know, why 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 is coffee cost so much things like that. I think it was in Brazil. Pete, you might have been there, but in the Bel- the Brewers Cup in Belo Horizonte a few years ago, mm. the Malaysian competitor used. I think it was the Malaysian competitor used a siphon. Yep. And did really Regine, well. Regine, yeah. Regine Y. Yeah, yep. she came third. I was like, damn, that's yeah. a, you know, no, not, not many people use a siphon these days, yeah. even in cafes, but for her to jump on, I thought that was really cool. I think she was cool. using a 90 plus on a siphon or something. Uh, all you have to do is pour <laughs> hot water and on that and it'll taste good. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Greece. Talk mm. more, more about Greece. You were yeah. over there supporting Patrick. Patrick. And you were judging. I was judging. Yes. What did you think of? Uh, well, let's start with you. What was uh, what was it like supporting Patrick? And what did you learn? For one, if you need to travel there, because mm-hmm. I think when the worlds were here last year, it was a unique experience for all of us Australians because we got to see people traveling here. Yep. I mean, it'd be the same for anyone in any country having that experience. But you get to go, they came over here. But I think a lot of pe- the competitors last year had trouble with the water that was supplied here, so the yep. coffee didn't interact well with the water. And um, was it the same over there this year? It was the same over there, but not on the stage, uh-huh. which is weird. It happened last year as well, because last year I was helping Patrick too when he got here. And um, um, and this year he needs help, and I'm there to help him. Mm-hmm. And he played six. It was an amazing result. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just so many learning opportunities. Is um, he one of the only people that's placed top six in both Brewers and... and um, Brewster, uh, Perg has done it. Yeah. Um, can't remember who else. Pete, did you do it? I did not do it. No, okay. I've not done Brewers Cup. Yeah, right. Um, there's there's been a few, mm. uh, I would say. Um, but yeah, Matt Perger being one of them. Um, you know, it, it is it is. Um, well, let's play in finals, top six in World Brewers Cup. Can't uh, remember. Matt Winton? No. Matt got. No, no, he, d- he didn't make top six of yeah. of Brewster. the Brewster. Yeah. But anyhow, sir, um, what were the what were the top six like? You, how many did you judge? I ju- on? So I judged two. I judged Patrick actually, mm. of all people, and I judged Borm. Um, and they, let's let's face it. I it, to start off with the competition, um, the average level of quality of every barista that I judged, I think I judged twelve overall. Um, there's a train going out <coughs> in yeah, the back there. It's nice. Uh, there's never a choo-choo train. There's sometimes there's a train, but it doesn't, you know, Tom's the tank me. But anyway, go on. Um, Let alone so doing a podcast, but go on. <laughs> but the but the average level of every competitor that I judged was actually really pretty good. 
Okay. Um, there was there was nobody serving, you know, typical coffee by any means. Yeah. Uh, there, there was it was it, I was impressed that everybody was serving at, at a pretty high level, um, and because in the past you'd see like you have you know a certain number of people who are serving you know, really top level stuff, and then you have some people who just like the, the coffee was not quite as good or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but this it was really consistent, consistently just like wow, this is solid coffee. Yeah. Um, so in the finals, um, so I, well, I didn't judge the finals, um, but I judged Borum was the very first competitor that I judged um, in the whole competition. Mm-hmm. First walk out on stage and I judged Borum. Um, and, you know, I left the stage thinking, you know, this is a good start to the competition. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> worked out all right. Pretty solid. It worked out for him pretty well. Um, and then Patrick, um, I judged in the semifinals and um, – was really impressed with him as well. Like he served some great coffee. His his presentation was really airtight, really solid. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I mean they were they were both. I, you could tell just from that judging experience, like they were both at a high, at a very high level. Um, what, what what are both of your observations of Boram's routine? I thought like when I first watched it, I was thinking, geez, that's tight. He mm-hmm. like is in cramped. You know, had the judges oh. so close to him, and um, I didn't feel that way. Well, well, that's that's an interesting observation. But I was looking at it thinking, geez, if I was working in that environment, I'd ha- I'm claustrophobic. You know, I'd have an anxiety attack. But you know, it, were you a sensory judge or head judge? I was a sensory judge. I was on the, on the edge of the table, so it looks like I'm a, a head judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had actually placed the the sensory judges three on the long table side and then one on the end. Geez, um, that's clever. Purpose. Yep. Uh, that was, and it was kind of a part of his his presentation like I uh, my my spot sort of represented the consumer in the in the chain and some yep. different things um it, it was it was very clever um and I didn't actually know that you could remove a table and I never thought about removing a table before um but apparently you can mm. um, and it's actually not too dissimilar to um Craig Simon's last um run that he did and he wanted to get the judges as close to him as possible so he actually moved he had he used three tables but he um he used sort of that v formation and had them um, pushed very close to the espresso machine, partially because he could work and communicate a lot more effectively. Uh, and it just sped up the service. It made it a little bit more cozy and comfortable being a part of his presentation as well. Mm. Um, and, and so I think, it's, I think it's smart. I wish more people would really think outside the box in terms of using the table setups and adjusting things and, and doing something different because that really changes feel of the presentations and, and the actual competition itself. And did you both did you both try his coffee? Starting with you, Gab? Um I haven't. You haven't? And uh, you obviously tried. Did. And yeah. was it one of the best you've ever had in your life? It was absolutely fantastic. And I I'm I may have said in our debriefing backstage that it, it at least texturally, it was one of the best coffees I've put in my mouth. Like ever. Wow, um, it was it was it, uh, for certain one of the best I've ever had in a competition. And shout out to the Jansen family, right? Yep. The um, well done. And it's like it's kind of like I'm surprised they haven't a World Brewster champion or World Brewers Cup hasn't been won using their coffee yet. To be honest, like it's yeah. they're they they're always now. consistently <laughs> uh, doing so great. And even their like particularly their washed coffee. I mean, they get so much praise for the naturals and the anaerobics yeah. and a lot of a lot of coffee yeah, farmers. Everybody do loves now. naturals and anaerobics right now. Yeah, yeah, and you know they 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 get a lot of. Um, attention in the world scene but yeah. I, I think their wash coffees are excellent yeah, yeah. Mm. absolutely they, they have some really great ones um, and you know I've met Kai several times now mm. uh, met him out here in Melbourne and then um, seen him around in US and Japan and you know different places 
Um, Lovely dude. And Love was super, super nice guy. Well, it, it, when, when we had a podcast, uh, podcast pop up last year, the day after Mice. Oh, yeah. yeah he was there. Yeah we, yeah, we were there with him. Yeah. yeah he, he just goes, hey, uh, do you mind if I make a coffee? I'm like, <laughs> dude, you can't Jansen. Do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, 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 uh, he's been a big advocate of the Oily Bloom, which he uses my um, W60 reusable mesh filter for um, and kind of has really hybrid, uh, hybridized that piece of equipment and and gotten some really good they've gotten some really good results out of that mm. um yeah it's yeah he's really special guy mm. um but yeah like the 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 coffee was fantastic um and then the 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 fazenda um coffee from from borum's family's uh, farm is was really good too i mean it was in the in the milk and the signature drink so it wasn't i wasn't tasting it straight um in the espresso but uh at least i don't think that's I'm pretty sure that's what it what it, what he did with it yeah it was, um, it was part of the blend yeah yeah and it would but it was it was super tasty yeah yeah so um hats off to Borum for that and congratulations to Cole Turot as well I'm, I'm sure we're all friends with Cole here Cole here oh and yeah he uh yeah. you know he was a, an accomplished brewer to himself and then and coaches Borum to victory well yep. done to him yep. yeah um, they, they they've they've definitely been I met them last year in Melbourne because I judged Borum last year actually as well mm-hmm and um and had met Cole. I don't know if I'd actually well I talked to Cole last time he was at WBC, um, but then I actually kind of got to chat with them a little bit and everything and got to know them a little better and, and it seemed like really really nice folks you know so he's yeah. an interesting guy yeah he's yeah. a wild guy oh he's yeah I'm yeah. probably saying I'm probably incriminating here but in him here <laughs> but he's a uh, you know someone you definitely want to get a beer with oh yeah no I mean yeah the, the, I think that their team as a whole yeah. um have enough foils of each other to be able to like you know like the, the <laughs> you've got you got some people who are a little bit more calm and collected and and you know by the book you could say and then you have some others who are a little bit more wild and out there and want to want to go crazy and you know I think like together it has made they've made this really great team. Mm. Have you anything to say about Borum's routine? Um I just thought of it and cuz you guys were mentioning Cole was Cole was the coach. Um, I think back then when I was wa- wa- when I was watching Cole, Cole's routine, mm. he was actually making coffee in front of judges. So he's Borum. Mm. So I think mm-hmm. that idea is like, yeah, yeah. 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 No, they both, both did incredibly well. Second second place guy Daniel, yeah. probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. Um, I recall him over here last year, just you know running around frivolously helping other people that weren't necessarily you know he was there to help, but just. Just an extremely helpful guy, and it's great to see him mm-hmm. get yep. some success over there as well. Did an interesting thing, blending two coffees at different ratios in different courses, mm-hmm. and a, a Katura and a Geisha, was it? Yeah, at least so. Yeah, yeah, and uh, did really well. And yep. then obviously we've got Jack, mm-hmm. who um, who came in third. Came in third, but I'm not going to talk too much about Jack because he's going to come on this. He doesn't. Oh know yeah, we'll let him talk for himself. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll let him talk to himself. I will say just briefly that Jack did an incredible job. So yeah. he really, yeah, really showed what Australia has to offer two yeah. years for two years in a row now. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, third place is great representation. Yeah. Um, yep. The One of the guys I wanted to talk about most, though, mm. was the fourth place getter. And, yeah. you, and I, you, were ta- you and I were talking about him a little bit before we started this, but Isaiah Sheese, is that Sheese. how yes. Sheese? And he's from Arkansas? No, he's from Nebraska. Nebraska. Yes. That's where Terrence Crawford fr- is from, my favourite boxer. There you go. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought he put on... Aesthetically, mm-hmm. that's the best routine I've it ever was, seen. Yeah. 
absolutely beautiful. But the the way he set that up, if, if if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, please go ahead and watch it and follow the guy on Instagram. He's uh, just the way that the, the his setup, mm-hmm. you know, the cleanliness of it, and you know, he's 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 followed the rules. He's observed the rules really tightly as well. So he's got the battery pack for lighting up his little. <laughs> um, Stage setup, yep. yep. And then um, he used Pink Bourbon, one of my favorite varieties as well, yep. um, fermented by legend Diego Bermudez. Yep. But um, that's probably that. That is one of the best routines I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Non-winning routines I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, it was it was very very impressive to watch. Um, and in I was saying before, you know, I've I've seen Isaiah compete in this t- in the U.S. for for several years. I, don't, I can't even remember how far back he goes. Mm. Um, but I remember competing against him when. Think when I think I competed against him when I was competing still, mm. um, in the in the regional championships and, and nationals, um, and but he has placed highly in the you know top six or close to the top six pretty consistently, mm. um, in the states. And to and beat out Morgan would be yeah, yeah that's that's tough. Yep. She came yep. second in the world last year, so mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean he 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 definitely put it together. I think that he had, I mean, well, he clearly had the better combination of presentation and coffee this year in the u.s uh and and it showed and so then you know that's that's who should be going to represent in the in the world um but yeah isaiah is a, just a, a lovely person he's, he's very kind is just one of those kind of I mean, he comes from nebraska which is the state just north of kansas right so it's mm-hmm. like i have a there's a kinship there because um, we call it sort of Midwestern hospitality. A couple of country boys. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, what, people watching are full moon nights in the cornfields. <laughs> not not that far, maybe, but um, but you know the, the people from that part of the country tend to be a little bit more laid back, um, and just pretty down to earth, you know. Um, and so it, it, I think it shows he, his his manner and and you know who he is is just is just a decent person. You know? He took he took the optics of competition mm-hmm. to a new level yeah. that I'd never seen before. Yeah. Honestly, oh uh, yeah. And I, get, I feel sorry for the guy because I feel like he was unwell on the day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, f- I felt like maybe he was jet lagged, or, or there was there might have been something going on. But he didn't he didn't mention it to me when I talked to him afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, but I do know that they had some. It was a little tough for them to get to the competition, uh, mm. travel wise, and some things like that. So, you know, that may have played into it for sure. Mm, and it's a, it's an exhausting thing if you've ever competed in the World Barista Championship. It is not a fun, easy, relaxing time, anyway. So no, but I feel I feel uh, like I hope no one takes this the wrong way. And you know, Jack being one of my best friends as well. But that was the most interesting routine, I thought. Yeah. You know, it didn't win. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got to make the best coffee. Yeah. But um, I looked at it and I learned and I, s- I saw the the setup. I thought this guy has put so much effort in. Um, if yeah, if you, I feel like if people next year are not emulating some of the things that Isaiah did, then they weren't paying attention. Well, you, yeah, you, you see that thing with milk, right? That someone does something new with milk, and you know, a lot of people sort of think experiment with it themselves and implement it themselves because obviously it's a new thing that's better. Sure. Um, I, yeah, I really did just think that that took it to a whole new level. What did you think? I think it was beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. And then Dawn Chan. Dawn, yeah. I saw. Did he modify the grinder so that he could single dose? Uh, not. You can't modify the grinder. Um, I don't remember what he did. Did he have a? He had like a baffle on it. I don't know, but he was he was um he had a different lid. Yeah, or something, yeah. and he was. I'm pretty sure he was single dosing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think he could. Have, I think there was uh, some sort of aftermarket yeah. lid or something like that. Mm. Um, but you, otherwise, you can't really change the grinder itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like it was something that was probably. I can't. I don't. I don't know what exactly what it was. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I didn't go up and ask him afterwards, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's part of the innovation I think to be able to 
figure out how to use the equipment in a way that works for what you're trying to do. And he used Tipico Mejorado as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, did anyone use wash coffee in the top six? Um, no. Does anyone use washed coffee in the competition well, no, at all? Pure, no, 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 like a purely washed, like traditional washed coffee for sure. Mm. Um, no, and so people don't generally. Um, yeah. People, well, people do, but not most people don't use washed, um, and they don't use to place highly. Ben put did yeah. right, mm. um, and and there's there's an unfortunate reason for that, um, which uh, you get into the the rules and the and the score sheets and things like that. The um, the focus has been on you know there's a lot of value for um, the the flavor notes of the coffee in particular. Um, you know when you have naturals or you have anaerobics, you get a big boost in uh, flavor intensity, specific articulate flavors, and potentially some body elements as well. Um, and so those are sort of the things that we're usually scoring. Um, I I would li- I personally don't th- feel as much value for being able to taste a specific flavor note. You know, if some of you said it tastes like you know orange. I was gonna say orange grapes. <laughs> it tastes like something, just like some random thing, and I don't exactly taste that thing. I don't find that to be as much of an issue as it just not being balanced, right? Um, but because of the weight and the value of those particular flavors, flavor notes, uh, it is important to have those, and so this is why we have a lot of these very heavily fermented coffees, um, and you know other things happening with the coffee that are helping to bring out specific flavors. What coffee did you use again when you were oh, the world? I used a washed Katura. Yeah. I used a washed Katura from Arnulfo Leguizamo. Mm. Uh, he's in Huila in Colombia. And um, it was just a sweet, delicious coffee. I still would put it in one of my top coffees mm. um, ever, just in the fact that it was so sweet and so tasty. Um, it didn't have crazy articulate flavors like we experience now in competitions, mm. but that wasn't a requirement. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, like it's, it's a different thing. All right, number six now, Patrick Rolf. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to get Gat to take over here. What, uh, what was it like supporting him? And, and what he used a line of Grito, yeah? Yeah. One thing, two, well, sorry, two things I found extremely interesting about his routine. And probably, you know, he had big kahunas doing this is one, used a very low dose, high ratio recipe for his espresso. Yep. So, you know, to go 17 grams in on that machine as well um, was incredibly brave. He used La Negrita, was it? Yeah. Yeah, great coffee. And I'm, I only ever see it, um, Campos selling it mm. in Australia. And, you know, I, I buy it every year. It's great. Um, and then for milk, he used 10%... Coconut milk. Coconut milk. Yeah. Was he the only person in the top six to use... An alternative milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it, uh, and how was that? Uh, did did either of you try any of um, any other competitors' coffees that were using alternative milk? I think who's the other one? Only Ben. Ben put did with all the, all, uh, with the oat milk. Yeah. Um, there were there were a number of people who used some proportion of oat milk. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I judged, I would say there were probably four or five total who did. Um, but the only person who used all. Um, Coconut milk, for sure, uh, that I know of was Patrick. Yeah. And do either of you think that it'll probably take a while before someone using an alternative milk can win? Um, it depends on how, if the if the scores change or continue to evolve a little bit, um, 
and the interpretation of what the intention is 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 continually sort of honed. Um, I don't think it'll take too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, um, it's is a necessity. It reflects the industry in a lot of ways. Um, but our our particular taste and expectation for a milk drink, as we call it, um, is a certain way. The presence of freeze distilled milk, in particular. Um, hampers, I think, alternative milk from doing as well because all freeze distilled milk basically just makes ice cream, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody loves ice cream. <laughs> I can't stand freeze distilled <laughs> milk. It it really depends. Some of them are really good, and some of them get salty or they get really savory. I think a lot of it has to do with how it's handled when it's being distilled and when it's being thawed. Um, I think some of it has to do with the proportion, and some of it has to do with the actual particular milk that you use as well. Um, but some of the ones I've tasted on stage, I mean, like for example, I mean, just the, the you know, looking at Borum or looking at um, at Patrick or uh, any number of the people who I judged in the the World Championship, they every milk drink was just like that was t- really tasty, right? Like it was just super delicious, um, and and so there's there's a little bit of work we need to do on that, um, but I think the intention is that we have it open to say that there's a lot of ways you could make something that's really really good. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think it would take too long. I think probably what you'll have is somebody doing a blend of, of alternative and dairy milk that will win first. Yep. And then after that, at some point, someone will use, mm. you know, some super tasty oat milk or alternative milk that will be really good. Whoever does is just destined for, a, you know, a, a ripping endorsement deal because, <laughs> you know, the thing about alternative milks that they can be global. <laughs> um, you know, you look at Oatly as probably the biggest example of that. Yeah. Um, and you know, with you know, dairy, you're limited really to one country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whoever does it, and you know, I I implore you, you know, work really hard on this. You will get yourself a ripping endorsement deal from whoever's milk you use. And yep. uh, I dare say the sales of that milk will go bananas. That is a good world. possibility. There's definitely a lot of promotional opportunities for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, alternative milks are are you know still growing in popularity. So well, I work in the food service industry, yeah, so yeah. it's like you know. I deal with plant milks all the time, and um, yeah, they're 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 very well resourced companies with um, with with capacity to just yeah expand globally if they really yeah. wish. You're a budding young champion. You'll be the Australian Brewster champion one day. I'm I'm sure of it. You've come very close twice already. Yeah. <laughs> what did you take away from being around that again this year? Um, one of the, one of the most important things is the new score sheets. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, how the judges um, score you uh, with the new um, scoring system, like zero to three for some categories, mm. I think. Yep. Um, that was really interesting. Um, that latte was my one of my favorite, and you can easily get a full score with just a nice and shiny center. Mm-hmm. Um, but we call mm. it. Um, but. Monk's head. <laughs> Monk's head. <laughs> Booty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and um, what else? It was just great to help someone and it just feels like you're competing as well. Coaching is not easy and it was my first time. Mm. Um, you have to take care of the emotion and things like that. Mm. Um, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, having having coached a number of people in championships for, for several years, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. Emotion? Um, emotion, organization, um, you know, making sure that they are 
mentally prepared, physically prepared, everything. Like if you don't eat in the morning, you know, and you're you're not competing until one p.m., you're gonna be hungry. You're not gonna be on all. You're not gonna be operating on all cylinders, right? Mm. Um, but one of the interesting things with this competition too was Gab was going out there to coach, <coughs> and you know we 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 were both like pretty not fully aware of how the worksheets would be interpreted and how they'd be implemented. And I was going out there to judge, right? Mm. And we, we both took away two different experiences with the results and the, you know, the application of the new score sheets and the new rules and things like that. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> it was it really uh, one of those things, as a judge, you know, you, you, you have to not, you know, talk to people about the competition and things like that. Once they, they've, the rule, the rule change, like it sounds really restrictive, um, but it was explained they're trying not to be super restrictive. But once the competition starts, you don't talk to anybody about the competition essentially, and um, so that was that was a really interesting one, like trying to um, process and think about everything, but not having anybody to really talk to about the <laughs> about the competition until it's over. Mm. Um, but uh, but it was really fascinating, and it was it was surprising to 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 judge Patrick actually because because I knew I knew Gab was working with him mm-hmm. um, and I walk out and I'm like I have no idea what to expect from him mm-hmm. um, and I know there was so there was a thing at the competition um, where they had some live scoring going on um, and it was on the WCE website um, it's kind of hidden a lot of mo- most a lot of people most people didn't know about it I think it was sort of uh, they, they had some things that they had to work out with it um, but it it showed who had the top score for certain categories. Mm. And I think they had... I like that. They had, Well, they had the milk drink, they had the... Barista evaluation and espresso. Yeah, initially they had the espresso, milk drink, and barista evaluation all. Um, and Patrick was in the top for that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and everybody could see it. Everybody saw that he was scored high. And you can see the scores now and, and, and see how highly he scored. Um but then they, they, they subsequently took off the espresso evaluation. So they were kind of trying, they were like, oh, we shouldn't be giving that many uh, indicators on who's, who's placing highly. Mm. Um, but I, w- I kind of like it, you yeah. know. But that was, well, it's a, it, it, well, there's been different conversations about live scoring and having some of those types of things um, going on. I don't know that we've ever had a great implementation of it. To be honest, it kind of gives the competition more integrity for me. Well, it does, but it also, you know, you think about it, right? If, if I'm a competitor, I haven't even competed yet. Um, day one, Patrick Rolf has top scores, and he's outscored everybody, and including some very well-known competitors, and, and also the person who ultimately ended up winning, right? Um, but He's lying to grade it. It's going to happen. Well, <laughs> but, but the thing is, I'm like, well, how discouraging is that? To either have not competed yet and not and feel like you can't beat that person, or have competed and your name doesn't even show up on that list because they just showed the top ten. Yeah, Jay was one of them. And and like how how demoralizing is that going to be, to say like well maybe even if I make it to the next round like what are my what are my odds of even winning you know like there's no chance clearly this person has something that I just can't even fathom or whatever, and it doesn't speak to the fact that. Scores do change from round to round, which obviously mm-hmm. happened. Um, but, um, you know, like different coffee performs on different days, different levels of performance, different interpretations, or, you know, especially in the final when they're really seeing everybody side by side and, and able to sort of score based off of the, the experience and things like that. Um, I, I feel like the, the implementation was a little bit 
So anyway, um, but that was like, so what I was saying is that that was my, that was the only thing I knew is that you know, he had scored really highly. And mm. personally, when I see someone score really highly, like deep down inside, I feel a little bit skeptical, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, uh, let's see what this is really all about. Right. Cause I've seen a lot of competitions and I've tasted a lot of coffee. Um, and I went out there and I was pleasantly surprised. I, he had a really good presentation. We had a really good experience with it. Um, and I found out later on he so in 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 the in the round that I judged he did something weird where he didn't deliver some flavor notes right away and he delivered them later. And so we just had to interpret and we were just like I I think that's you know that's a really interesting way to present flavor notes because like I've tasted it and I've written down my notes and then he came back and said them and they really matched very well. Mm. Um, and then I <laughs> I heard after the fact um, at like after the competition and Gab was like. Yeah, he actually delivered his flavor notes when he was supposed to this time in the final, and I was like, "Oh, he didn't mean to do that," because <laughs> like, you know, as a judge, I, I just you just take whatever the person did and yeah. you take that at face value, um, and so <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, maybe maybe it worked better for him to deliver the flavor notes out of order. I, I don't know what happened um, to him on day three because you you usually you win the you win the the espresso you win the comp right, and I thought he I thought he took a big risk. Aging it for 14 days, I think it was. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think one of the thing was just the coffee was not tasting as good on, the, on day three. And I think he didn't prep his coffee well. So he only, he only has two batches and mm -hmm. those two batches are four days apart. Mm -hmm. um, so just the first two days, the coffee tasting way better. And I'm not saying this to pick on him, by the way. I've just got you here, and you were involved in this team, so yep. you know we got an insight. But um, yeah, took a big took a big risk there with that. And but you know, obviously he made he made fantastic coffees day one and two and played yeah. six, and that's coffee nothing to sneeze at. Coffee that I tasted on the semifinal day was <laughs> really really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so um, I was going to say it's not the first time that's happened though. I mm. think that happened to Hugh in Seoul in 2016. Because um, I think he was top, he was play, he was like top scorer or one of the tops. But he also used like a sixteen gram, yeah. fifteen. He did a, he did a long instruction out. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. In that particular yeah. comp. Um, and and so it's not un it's not unheard of by any means for someone to do really well in the first day or two and then drop, you know, be in the be in this fifth or sixth place or something later on. Um, and it, it depends on the coffee. It depends on a lot of things. Um, sometimes there's a lot of hype or there's a lot of excitement for something someone's doing um and like i say when you when you line them up next to the other the other five people in the top six you know there is somebody who's doing something arguably better in terms of flavor or whatever else that you experience on stage um there's also something that i would consider to be peaking early right mm -hmm. um and this is i i kind of described this what happened to me in 2011 right so i got second place in 2011 who, who won that uh, Alejandro Mendez. Okay. Um, and I was, I was, uh, you know, I had a, I had probably a superior presentation in the sense of all the things that I had personally done with the coffee. Um, but I felt like my best presentation was the semifinal. I came out of the final and I was like, I know I didn't do that as well as I did yesterday. Mm. Um, and it, it got me second, right? And so, like, I felt like, you know, I, I absolutely nailed it day two, but then I fell off. 
And one of the tricks in, in the World Wrestling Championship is you have to continually be improving yourself and peaking on that last day. Never peak too early. Don't, yeah. And it's, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's some definite truth to it. Um, so that's, that's a possibility as well. You know, there's all manner of things that can happen mm. to, to explain why somebody would drop from, from really, really top of the, top of the pack to, to a little bit lower in the final. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully one day Gab gets there. Hopefully one day I'll get there. You and me go head to head. That'd be great. But um, is it true that they included in the rules this year that you can use an infused coffee? Is that? Is uh, that no, I don't believe so. Mm, okay. It's still in the rules that you cannot. Okay. Um, I think they're trying to... Because what I hate about what happens nowadays is sometimes someone will win and then you know people will throw rocks at that person and say, oh, right. they, they used an infused coffee. Well, and yeah, it's caused controversy here in Australia as well. Here's the thing with infused coffee. Um, and it's infused in the sense that I processed it and I threw in some fruit or I made it so that it tastes like a certain thing. Um, the it's It's not been allowed in the rules, and it shouldn't be allowed in the rules, technically speaking. We should not be encouraging those types of coffee for that purpose of a competition. I think they have plenty of application in the in the commercial selling and making of coffee in the real world. Mm. Um, but for competition's sake, they shouldn't be allowed. But here's the here's the thing. As a judge, there's no way for me to 100% tell for certain that someone is using an infused coffee. I can be pretty certain from my personal experience, but there's nothing in the rules and regulations that gives me a way to say that it is. And uh, there's no way I could possibly prove that. Um, there is. No, not from a not from oh not on a judge's table, but not on a judge's table, there's not. And I'm so I'm making a score right now, right here and right now, for what you have served, and I I can't prove that. That's somebody else behind the scenes. Somebody else should be, maybe they should be taking a, a sample of coffee and doing a DNA test for. I don't I don't know what it is, but GCMS. Sure. Dale Dale Harris told us all this one. If you want to learn about what that is, gas chromatography, mm-hmm. chromatography mass spectrometry. Oh, yep. I remember. I clearly remember you actually commentating that one, calling that yep. one. So hearing you trying to pronounce that, deja vu. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to, you can you can use that. I think police use that in their investigations and sure. stuff like forensics. You can right. There's a, there's a way to prove it. But the point is, is that that's something that would happen behind the scenes, and it would not be something that the judges on the judging table can score. Yeah. Um. And so, as a judge, there's no way for me to penalize it, even if I'm pretty certain that it happened. Uh, it's like there's no. I mean, I can't just give it a zero because. You know, you, I could, you, what, it, what would happen if I said, I'm certain that's an infused coffee, and then you did some, you know, mass spectrometry, whatever. If you did something to prove, hey, you know what, um, it's not. It's not infused. Now, I've scored a zero based on my assumption and not based off of anything that is, it is objectively provable. So, and, and, and even to that fact, it's like you use something on stage and then someone says, I want a sample, like then you just give them something that isn't that product, right? Like, mm. um, well, it could be done. You know, I mean, if don't encourage gonna, anyone, pay. If someone's going to cheat, there's someone's going to cheat, mm-hmm. right? Like there's nothing you can do about that in the rules and the regulations and how they're, how they're formed. Um, so like all, all of that type of talk is just not very useful talk. If someone's mad or someone feels like someone cheated, there's nothing we can do as judges to, to change that, and all you're doing is try is essentially taking away from something that's not going to ultimately be affected, you know. Um, so it, it's a tough one. Like I, I I feel like that we need to make some big changes to the competition itself what to changes? accommodate. Oh, you, 
I made a gigantic like 20 page blog post about this at one point. Where can um, we find it? If on, anyone on my on my personal website, lookatcoffeeconsultants.com. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a, a little bit of an older blog post now. It's been I think I posted it in 2018 maybe. Give give us one or two recommendations. Okay, the first thing is you make a buy round, right? Or you make or not a buy round, but a, a a compulsory round. Right? Just like we do with Brewers Cup. You have a compulsory round with provided coffee and provided everything, right? Dad nodding his head. And you have a open service, which is where you bring your own coffee. You do everything with the way you want to. You can use whatever grinder you want to and things like that, right? I feel like it's only a matter of time before it happens. Yes, and it maybe it's part of the new, the next round of evolution they're trying to do, but the evolution takes time. Mm. Um, but with a, with a compulsory round, you have a provided coffee. Every single person uses the same coffee. Everybody uses the same grinding setup. Everybody uses the same espresso machine. And even for the same provided cups, same everything. Literally, all you do is walk up with your ability to make coffee. And that's it. Everything else is provided for you. Um, what, the, what that can do is two things. It can create a technical evaluation. So the technical, uh, or the, yeah, the technical um, score sheet where they're, where they're looking at how you make coffee. In the World Barista Championship right now, they only do that in the first round anyway, right? So, but what that does is it gives you a technical evaluation that should follow you around for every every round, um, and it gives you a, a a fundamental ability to make coffee, right? Can you take an unknown coffee and dial it in and make it more balanced and more palatable and better tasting than everybody else who are your peers? Um, and that score should be a part of the competition. Right, because that gives a that gives a, a relatively unbiased, un, or pretty unbiased interpretation of what your ability is to make coffee, um, and you would do that for espresso and milk, mm. just like provided milk, non dairy, whatever. Here's your options. It's provided, yeah, and then you just make that right. Then you still have an open round, right? And then with an open round, you would have you bring your own espresso, you bring your own equipment, whatever else, but you would need less because what you're going to make is you're going to make an espresso and a signature drink that reflects that coffee. You don't need to make a milk drink with your $300 a kilo geisha or whatever it is, right? Like who does that for the most part? <laughs> um, you know, but it, there's there's still a need for for the milk drink, but it's much more of a, a, a technical thing. It's not the not really as much of pushing the boundaries. And there's some arguments I could see for why some things are valuable and other things are not. But that alone would, would change a lot of the expectation. Personally, I wouldn't like to see any lowering of the importance of a milk drink, but you know we love alternative opinions here. Well, um, but but it doesn't doesn't lower the importance of it. It just puts it into a different category. Okay. Right. It it puts it into a place where you can you have to make it in a certain way. And hey, if people wanted to make a milk drink, if you still wanted to have a fifteen minute presentation for the open round, you could. Mm. But for the taste, I'm also thinking from the sense of the people putting on the competition and time frame that's needed if you're going to add in a compulsory round you have to essentially take something out of the other stuff in the future um but i would love to have more drinks made you know um but that's that's a big one i think compulsory round would would change a lot of the outcomes of the competitions a lot of times and it would change the perception of the people making the coffee too and what's the second um one of the second ones would be Oh well, we, t- we touched on it before. I mean, I would I would lower the weighting of value of of say flavor notes, for example, right? And and 
what we've done with the score sheets now is we've made everything a multiplier, right? Um, and that's based off of uh, giving a certain value to each of those categories. In total, in total sum, it makes sense, right? The flavor notes are worth 18 points, and the uh, overall balance of the coffee is worth 24, right? But one point difference or you know, the actual multiplier is much bigger. So this is one of the things I called out at the World Championship in Greece was actually the difference between the interpretation of a two on accuracy of flavor notes across all four judges and an and interpretation of three is not one singular point or four points of all the judges. It's all times three. So it's actually 12 points change, right? So one point difference in your interpretation of what someone did is actually a twelve point difference on the score sheets. So it's a more so significant. It's a, it's the it's I think it's one of the biggest um, de deviants like changes from one point score to the next mm -hmm. is the flavor notes in particular because it has a huge multiplier on it. Um, when we're doing that, we have to think about the, the the value not only of the total weight but also the differentiation between people. Um, so for me, I think that if you want to call it zero to three for, for flavor notes, then that's one thing, but I wouldn't give it more than a times two multiplier, right? Maybe even times one and have it zero to six. Really? Like, I, I don't, because I, I don't think it's a hugely valuable thing to be able to say this tastes like mandarin oranges versus sun-kissed oranges or, mm. you know, whatever it is that we get into these very, very pedantic conversations about. Um, I, I like what we went to with this, this competition, which was to say much more of like, hey, you know, if you said orange citrus and I tasted, you know, maybe I didn't taste mandarin, but I tasted, you know, blood orange or something like that. Like, I feel like we're in a pretty close range. You're here. in the ballpark? Right. Because everybody knows that flavor experiences and flavor memory are very specific to individuals, right? We've done, there's been plenty of studies on this. And so from my, my experience of what a mango is, living in Hawaii may be very different than to me 10 years prior living in Kansas what a mango is, right? I guarantee it's different. Are they better in Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, well, you get them fresh too, yeah. right? They've been ripened on the tree. You go to the farmer's market and you can get one that's going to pay like a dollar for it because it's going to go bad tomorrow, mm. right? And it's so juicy and fresh and fragrant and everything. And it might be a different varietal of mango as well. There's hundreds, there's like there's what, 50 or 100 or some crazy different varietals of mango, you know. How do the Australian ones compare? Uh, they can be good. Mm. It, it depends on where you get them and what season it's in, mm. mostly. Yeah, tell me about durian. <laughs> I've never had a, like I've, I've been to Singapore and I've never really eaten a durian. I've smelt one, but like it doesn't taste nice. And I love uh, durian. What, what would you liken it to? I love it in coffee. I love it by itself, which mm. is sweet. Um, very creamy. I think people just don't like the flavor of it. Mm. They think it's smelly. Mm. Um, Why do people think it's smelly? Well, it is smelly. Mm. Uh, it, it has yeah, a strong pungent <laughs> odor. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well no, the way that I described, I, I when I when I tasted it for the first time was it was like um, it was very fruity and sweet, but garlicky at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Right. You you you've been to. Um, Fluffy torpedo, right? Oh, many times. Oh man, I, I, I destroyed that place. I so basically lived one minute from that place. I'm I live in Collingwood, mm. and I always get their durian ice cream. Really? Yeah, it's durian ice cream there. That tastes like durian. 
See, I like it. I like it. Let's give this one minute because they've what they've done there is they've gotten sour strap lollies, which are like these la- la- rainbow lollies, and they've layered them all over the floor and then poured uh, epoxy resin over it or something. And so you walk in, it's just this wonderland. Have you been there, Pete? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Fluffy torpedo. If you live in Australia, if you live in <laughs> Melbourne, go. If you're coming to Melbourne, go. If um, yeah, what, what kind of food is it? What is oh, it's ice cream. ice cream. Oh, it's ice cream. Okay. But I had I I'm not a big cheese guy. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend hates it. She loves cheese. Anyway, so she gets she uh, um, I got the salted Nutella and Parmesan. Okay, doesn't sound too appealing to me, really. Mm-hmm. Probably the best ice cream I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I'm a massive um, Messina fan. I love the Super Dolce there. But yeah. anyway, yeah, uh, incredible ice cream, <laughs> incredible ice cream. All right, I want to wrap up competition talk for. For now, and talk about new wave. Unless, do you have anything, anything, any one last thing you want to say to the listener about comps? Oh, I mean, I, I've I've been doing competitions for eighteen years now, mm-hmm. um, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so I can probably talk about them for hours and hours and hours. We'll and have you back. Um, but I w- I think the last thing I would just say is that this this most recent World Booth Championship was at, at a very high level all the way across. I think Everyone everybody. Is very good. Everybody that I judged was very good, um, even people who didn't make it to the final, or you know, like for example, Ben Put didn't make it to the final, mm. um, and he had an absolutely amazing presentation and everything else. Um, Goes to show the quality of the the competition and where it's yeah. at, right? It's getting yeah, better. Yeah. Your top your top six were definitely they nailed it on the day, um, and. You know, this is what we'll see if we if everybody continues to raise the bar and raise the level of what they're pr- presenting, then you will have you'll have legacy countries, you'll have people who are very talented and very skilled, who won't make the top six because only six can make it. And I, I, so one thing I loved about it was that it, South Americans took home the Brewers and and Brewster and yeah. Brewster. It's great to see, um, you know, particularly that area, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing, one observation I have is I, w- I went to Bolivia a few years ago, mm-hmm. and not the, the you know obviously being Bolivia, it's a coffee producing country, but not the best Bolivian coffees are sold in Bolivia, and I think there's yep. yeah you know, there's reasons for that, but there's it's a bit of a shame as well. They should get to enjoy the fruits of their labor and you know in in their population as well. Bolivian coffee is some of my favorite. A lot oh, of yeah, people know sure. that who listen to this, but um, yeah, it's uh it's I think it's fantastic that someone from Brazil has won it and 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 Chile as well. Yeah. So yeah. Con- congratulations to both of those. Yeah, from what I understand, this was Chile's first representation in the Brewers' Cup, I think, in the world. Well, like World Brewers' Cup was one this hit, year, I think. One hit wonder. I think this was their first year actually having a representative. Wow. Um, if I remember correctly. Right. So yeah, it's it's massive. Massive. Can't wait to go to Chile. It looks so good, hey. Yeah. Have you been? No, I haven't. I haven't. Have you? I flew over it on the <laughs> way back from Belo Horizonte, and I was yeah. just like, "Damn, why don't we stop there?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard some great things. Um, so yeah, for sure. All right, place to go. New Wave Coffee. Mm. What is it, Gabe? Tell it's me. It's a coffee brand. Coffee brand. <laughs> Selling premium, high end. You, you, you've um, you've kind of. You've you've grown that a lot, and well, I'm maybe you agree or disagree, but the co- the level of coffee that you're buying in particular is crazy. Yeah. So what what at what point did you decide you were like, well screw it, I'm just gonna. Y- you've probably got a bit of a better cash flow situation now. You've bided your time well as a as a young businessman, but like last year you had the 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 best of Ecuador. Would yep. you call it winning lot? Cruz, Cruz Loma. 
Cruz Loma. That's the fun The anaerobic wash Sidro, and that was an incredible coffee. Yeah. Um, very luscious. I would have loved to have had it as an espresso more. I had one shot and I was just like, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah $600 coffee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, it'd make an incredible espresso, right? So delicate. Um, and then you've had things like the Geisha XO that you used last year, yeah. which is, you know, probably one of the best milk drinks I've ever had. Yeah. The, the espresso was awesome as well. It was kick-ass. But the milk drink in particular, I loved. Um, and to be honest, like... The, the Abu coffee that you had as well, the you, you had a coffee, and it won't be long before he wins World Brewster Championship as well. His coffee is really good. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't someone win Brewers Cup with his coffee? Well, there must have been the guy this year. Um, no, didn't the guy no, this year was, was Coffee uh, Grunner last year, previous year, I think. No, I, um, I don't think so. I, I wanted so. to say I remember seeing something about Abu. Maybe maybe it wasn't, but I anyway, that's some yeah. of the pound for pound best coffee in the world it's right now, man. and um, particularly the naturals. To be honest, yeah. like they they just do they just have this classic natural profile. I'm just like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's um, pretty affordable. Yeah, well, I mean, it probably won't be for long because no, for you know, sure. it'll it will yeah they've they've sort of built a name for themselves now and kind of like Longboard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Longboard just oh for me it's like Justin. I had Longboard on my birthday in Greece. <laughs> I had, I had um, uh, Emmy Fukuhori mm-hmm. from uh, Mame. Mm-hmm. They were doing a pop-up, and I went, and I was walking around on my birthday. Uh, and I was like, I'll just go see those guys for a coffee. So I saw Matthew and, and, um, and Emmy. Emmy was brewing, and um, they made, she made me a coffee just for my birthday, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was an Abu Geisha, actually. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it was... Um, um, was it a blend? No, no, no. It was, uh, it was, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, um, it wasn't Emmy who made longboard for me. It was, um, uh, was it Taka? No, it was, um, so the Japanese. Yeah, the Japanese, um, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce yeah. champion. Um, we'll come back to it. Why, why am I, why is his name, uh, uh, um, <laughs> I, he, he, he was there and he made me a, um, he made me a, a cup of longboard. It was the first longboard that I've really tasted, and it was absolutely phenomenal, um, and it just so good. Mm. So yeah, like I, I'm going to take a bit of a side quest here yeah, yeah. on this podcast. I went to Code Black the other day, mm-hmm. and I had um, the Brewers Cup champion Tom Tom, Hutchin. Tom Hutchins coffee, the Australian Brewers Cup champion. But there's this guy that works at Code Black, and I, someone's messaged me his name, but I didn't know his name. I'm just going to pretend I don't know his name from now on because it's cooler. But he. He he made me the best coffee I've ever had three or four years ago. It was ninety plus coffee. It just and and then he made me a coffee again the other day, which was Tom's coffee. And I, was, I was blown away. It was like smelling lollies in a cup and the Chirosso from Las Flores. Yeah. Unbelievable mm. coffee. Um, mm. But yeah, it's interesting to say about. I think say they about have um, they built special water for their pour coffee in Kublai. Oh, you can I tell. Have, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, so what was was it a honey? Was it a natural that you had when you were in Greece? Uh, I think it was just a wash. Yeah, okay. Or I've never had his wash to bit. Sounds pretty sounds pretty sure it was. It, it may have been a honey, but it was it was just super clean, mm. super sweet. Um, a lot of those kind of classic geisha geisha, geisha flavors. Um, but his coffee's hard to get now as well. Yeah, yeah. So I met him out in, out there too, and he's he's a lovely person. Was he wearing his Sub Zero Lombo Longboard shirt? I don't think so. I think this was at. At Winton's um, wedding, wedding, pr- wedding celebration party. Okay, um, but congratulations yeah, to him and Sierra yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seems like they've celebrated their wedding like in all everywhere around the world now. So, yeah. 
Um, but it was it was great, uh, great to see him. But yeah, Longboard, I think that he 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 described what he's doing with coffee, which was very interesting. Um, and he's really not focused on high production. He's just focused on making the best coffee that he can in the in, you know make the best representation of a geisha that he possibly can. And it it seems like he's really doing it. It's unbelievable. Have you have you will you get any of his coffee in the near future? Can you? I can, mm. but I don't think I can afford it. Oh, jeez, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's, um, it's, yeah, well, in it's, if it's we like can. 7.50 per kilo. Australian? Yeah. Wow, okay. Well, I mean, it's worth it, really. I mean, the, do you, but do you think some of the green prices now are getting a bit, a bit silly? Uh, like, yes. is, it, is it getting harder and harder? Because I feel like it's going to certain areas of the world. And, um, you know, I was talking to Maxwell Colonna Dashwood about this, and he was saying that he had bought a coffee off a producer for years and years and years and years and, and rightly felt like he'd helped popularise that particular coffee mm. and then they doubled the price on him the next year because you know, someone just outbid him. Right. He's like, well, you've got to do what you've got to do. But also it's kind of like, well, I mean, I helped you get it to this to this position. You know, you'd yeah. think the relationship would hold strong. Yeah. Your thoughts. And, and let's start with you, Gap, because you're buying a lot of these high-quality coffees mm-hmm. for what you're doing. Is it getting harder and is it is it is it a problem to come? Because I don't want to see... I said this on the podcast before. I don't want to see coffee get too much like wine, where it's like you get these really, really crazy bottles of wine, and only really like LeBron James and Floyd Le- Floyd Mayweather can afford it. Is that where we're going? Yeah, I think starting this year, the coffee price is getting higher. Mm. Um, especially recently, I just bought um, Esmeralda, mm. um, the special selection or whatever that is. Mm. Um, so last year when I bought the wash category, I think it was it cost. 130 USD per kilo, and this year was 180. Yeah, for the similar quality. Pretty big jump. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and I sell a lot of coffee to international as well, and my regular customer would be like, "The same quality coffee, and you charge even more." Mm. And they're not buying it, so it's for us. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we love. I love working with. Directly with producers, um, Rachel, she's amazing. Um, my first ever coffee for New Wave that is like competition level was Finca Nugo um, from Jose Gallardo. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible coffee. Incredible coffee. And it was affordable back then. And mm. now just everyone using it for competition, things like that. Mm. And it just went through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a couple of things that are happening. Uh, one, obviously, the, the cost of production is going up. Um, at the same time, you know, a lot of these producers and these geishas, they only produce so much coffee every year and they know that the value of what people are willing to pay for them is going up. Um, and so they're getting what the market will bear and the market has not reached its limit yet. Mm. Um, I, I sort of disagree in a certain way. I think that there is a level that we need some segmentation in the industry to say these are, you know, there's a reason why these coffees cost this much and that. Um, but I agree. I don't think that they should be to the point where, you know, Floyd Mayweather and your super hyper celebrities are the only ones who can afford those. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the conversation that you mentioned with, with Maxwell Colonna Dashwood um, is, is a tough one because I think that that is really just his relationship with that farmer and then the, the farmer having to do what they need to do. Um, you know, we all know that his car coffee farmers historically have been underpaid and, mm. and, and 
but there's there's a difference between some like not all. Well, when we're talking about geishas in mm. Panama, we're talking about something very different than something else. And I'm not sure what coffee farmer Maxwell was talking about, um, but you know, it, by and large, coffee farmers have been underpaid. Yeah, uh, and so for a coffee farmer to make the decision to say, you know what, I need, I'm going to do this because this is going to help me to get somewhere in life. Um, I I can't say that I immediately blame that person um, because it is... I get paid. Well, I mean, yeah, if you can have We'd a better all do life... It. We'd all do the same. Send your kids to the city to school, you know, other things. Like, it might be the difference between your kids and next, gen- next generation having a having a you know, better livelihood or um, being able to invest in your farm in a way that you can be more sustainable to continue to grow and to con- continue to make money. Um, there, there's a lot of things in those conversations we don't we don't know for sure, but um, you know, I, it, <laughs> the cost is definitely gone up. Um, inflation and and monetary, uh, you know, cost of, of currency exchange and things like that is, has been pretty wild. Um, uh, you know, is <laughs> is a geisha that you paid you know like one one thirty four in the next year to one eighty uh, per kilo? seems like a pretty big jump. Um, it seems like that's maybe not just cost of production, um, but I, I, I'm not an expert in that field, so I'm not going to say it isn't. Um, but likely it's a number of things. Mm. Not the amount of demand, the amount of revenue, the amount of cost of production, the amount of other costs that they may in be incurring. We're um, just in general, more people want my coffee and... I know that I can I can charge more for it, you know, and, and I'm going to do that because that's what's going to give me a healthy lifestyle, you know. Mm. And, yeah, like there's, there's a lot of coffees out there that, you know, now you, the, the belt straps are tightening. you gotta, you got uh, you got to be prudent with your dolls these days. But, um, you know, I think there's also a lot to say about there's probably more people getting interested in coffee worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the industry is becoming more popular. Um, you look at someone like Jimmy Butler, who just mm-hmm. he's the NBA player who has big face coffee, and yep. you know he goes and buys his cup of excellence, winning lots, and yep. coffees from La Palma. Yep. Um, you know Emma Chamberlain, who's I, don't, I only learned out about her the other day, but she's a makeup artist, YouTuber sort of thing, and she's got a coffee brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, it, it, and I feel like co- coffee as an industry is becoming more popular. Yeah, it seems like the celebrity coffee brand is the next new trend, mm. um, which. Yeah, for good and bad. Mm. Um, I know Jimmy has done a lot of work specifically with um, Andre Allen and Onyx and yeah. those guys. Um, so I imagine, I think that he's probably getting some very good um, advice advice and mentors- good men- well, mentorship in the coffee industry. Mm. Um, and so I think that he's probably setting himself up for a good success. And his story is really actually quite interesting. Mm. Um, Sarah Allen from First Magazine was kind of telling me about about him and, and what he's trying to do. He's trying to build a legacy that can be a business where he can support his his team, his people who work for him um, after he's out of, you know, after he's retired from basketball. Interesting. something that can, can persist, which is a very great cause. Like it one one of my goals with this podcast is to interview him. So oh, you know, yeah, putting well. it out there again, Jimmy, if you're listening, come on. <laughs> I mean, you never know. He might be. He's. He's. It uh, seems like he's a pretty big coffee geek, and um, I've competing. missed a couple. Missed a couple times to to meet him in person, but um, yeah, he seems he seems pretty pretty legit. Look, and he's he's come so close to becoming an NBA champion as well. He yeah. took the Miami Heat from the eighth seed this year with 
without Tyler Hero and you know with a whole lot of undrafted free agents and you know they might get Damian Lillard, yep. they might get Damian Lillard and I hope they do. <laughs> All right, but um, we'll, we'll we'll get a move on. You've got what ten more minutes? Yeah, Pete? about ten minutes is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got a hot date with your wife? I do, yeah. I do. Yes. Who's taking care of your daughter? Or is she coming? Uh, we have a babysitter. Ooh, babysitter. All right. Where, where, where are you going? Uh, we're actually going to a a, a dinner. Um, Class, I guess, a, a cooking class. I guess it is. Is that in Abbotsford? In, on, yeah, it's in on Victoria Street. Yeah, um, another one. Like O A in D in A or something. It's like four the four or five letter. Okay. Um, name. Mm. Um, we we went past there yesterday, and it was it looks really cool. Yeah, it so, does look it looks awesome. Um, basically, it's kind of like a dinner date kind of thing. Where yep. we'll Like so, we'll we'll be making our Fun. own meal, and then they have obviously chefs that are talking you through and explaining how to make it and all. Hey, what's the um, key to a good marriage? Uh, communication. Communication. Say talk a lot and um, talk a lot. Share and well, I mean, share and be open with uh, the things that are you're you're thinking um, and feeling, uh, and um, probably I would say also share the responsibilities. You know, mm. yeah, those two things I think can go a long way. You came here for coffee. You got the marriage class. Ah, so yes, the marriage counseling session is next. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, again with New Wave, Gab, I want to focus a little bit on you here. You, I'm really impressed with you, with you as a person, and you. you know, I, I think you know, I watched you, you. You came third this year, and it was a tough result. I know you wanted to win really bad, and you're a competitive guy, and I respect you a lot. And I hope you keep going with that. But I'm really impressed with someone that moves a moves to another country, speaks five goddamn languages, and. Um, you know, can have this really successful coffee brand. You work a lot. You do your own coffee thing. You travel to do pop-ups in, interstate in, in Australia, and you've done the thing in Greece. And you you take the time to compete. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. And you know, to cram that in while you're 24, 24 years old, it's pretty hectic. Pete, would you would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I, when I was twenty four, I was certainly not doing anything professional. Let's yeah. And so <laughs> I think your your future is incredibly bright, and I think your coffee brand's good. And uh, you know, I'm someone that buys lots of different roasters coffee for my own personal use and for business and whatnot. And yours is some of the best I've ever had. Thank so you. you know, what drives you? What keeps you going? What's your why? What's my why? Mm. I just want to make and share tasty coffee. I think um, what we produce is grab some of the best coffee. And I started very small. Um, started these two bags of coffee and I want people to enjoy it and coffee that I roasted, that I packed, that I selected by myself and people enjoy it. Um, yeah, I think that's it mm. for now. And what's the goal in the future? Where do, do you want to get to? I'm going to build my own roastery mm. and after that, maybe like a cellar door cafe mm -hmm. next to the roastery, mm. things like that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. The... Um, is it would it be accurate for you to say that you um you have a perspective on coffee and coffee quality that you think is 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 better than the average person's like in a way that you want to share it like because what that sounds to me like is that you have something that you like about coffee in particular there's a style of coffee that you like and you are proud of it you know and good on you for not saying that you're proud of it but it's okay to be proud of what you do yeah you know, um, is that, yeah, it sounds that way. Is that yeah. accurate? I think I, uh, I love coffee, especially I love geisha. Um, 50% <laughs> of my coffee mm. um, from New Wave, they're all geishas. Um, just the floral, um, clean, elegant coffee. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If someone wants to order some New Wave coffee, what what's the website? How do they do it? Newwave.coffee. Newwave.coffee. Yeah. How do you spell New Wave? N e w a v. New Wave. Um, and international shipping. Yes. Excellent. Anywhere. Anywhere. Excellent. All right. That's something I could never figure out when I was doing that. But um, that's yeah. great. It's um, if you are listening abroad, listening interstate, get it. It's uh, it's worth every penny. Um, <coughs> all right. Well, I mean, any final remarks, gentlemen, before we clock off? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's good to have you, Pete. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, it's uh, the first time I met you. I, I remember it was when I was working at St. Ali, and yeah. um, yeah, yeah, you and made me some milk drinks, right? Yeah, I made you some yeah. milk drinks. I was like, hey, this is the one that Matt Perger used yeah, to yeah. get you. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it was interesting. And you now you've been, you've, you weren't living here at that stage, I don't believe. No, that was before we'd moved out. It was probably six months before we moved here right. or so. Yeah, and you're kind of one of the more low-key World Brewster champions, in my opinion. <laughs> so sure, you, okay. you, winning Brewster champions, like mm. you, um, you know, you're you're a qu- you're a quiet guy. Um, Generally, yeah, yeah. And so, like, to see you, and you know, I recognise you. I think I was the only guy and left left working that day, or it was me and somewhere else towards the mm. end of the day. And you came in, you're like, oh, I've never tried this before. I've never been here. And you were probably more of a filter or a black coffee drink, and I was like, yeah. shoving these milk drinks in your face. But yeah, um, a little bit. Mm. <laughs> it was good though. No, I appreciate it. Um, no, well, we've I've lived here for now four years, and so to actually get on the podcast and talking to you and everything, it's, it's been good. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you know, you asked Gab about what keeps him going, but I was going to say I've been doing this for 20 years now. Um, I started working in coffee in 2003, um, and it doesn't feel like 20 years. Yeah. You know, and I think... Isn't it just one of the best industries to work in? I, I do think it is a really great industry. I and, and I will say that I know I've definitely had ups and downs. You know, you have times where you doubt your ability to make success. Um, before I moved to Hawaii, I was actually thinking about getting out of the industry. I was thinking about doing beer and things like that because I really like brewing beer. Mm. Um, but and then I moved to Hawaii and found some new avenues that have really interested me. Um, but I think everybody has ups and downs where you're feeling encouraged or you're feeling motivated or you're feeling, you know, one way or another. Um, but there's always something that can kind of draw you back in. And I think it is that endless depth of things that can be done or can be explored within the coffee industry. And I will say the people, the people, yeah, people are incredible. I I don't know of any industry where there are more just nice, like good friendly people without a lot of conflict and drama mm. it still exists but it's not anywhere near like a lot of hey it's been a bit going issues. on lately but le- hey let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> depends on where you're looking yeah um but you know by and large there are just nice decent people in the industry yeah um, and and there's also it's a young industry there's lots of opportunity there's lots of opportunity to explore and innovate and do things and travel better. as well there's a fair yeah, bit of travel when you work yeah. in this industry yeah for sure mm. Um, you know, and so it's, uh, it's a good one. I, I, it always keeps me going. Well, I, I think that's a very positive note to leave it on, guys. So uh, thanks so much for coming again. Uh, Pete you. of Nomad Coffee Group and Gabriel Tan of New Wave Coffee. And for you listening at home, stay cool. Mm-hmm.